0: and we wanted to put our mark on Lelanau Peninsula wines with unique styles, blends, maybe thought-provoking wines that that weren't already in the market.
1: So what makes Michigan a great state? I'm glad you asked. My name is Cliff DuVenois, and I'm on a quest to answer that exact question. After 20 years, I've returned to my native Michigan, and I'm looking to reconnect with my home state. I'm talking to the people who are behind Michigan's great businesses and top destinations, the same people who work hard every day to make our lives a little bit brighter. And you, Michigander, are coming along for the ride. This is the Call of Leadership Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Call of Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm super excited because we have our first returning guest to the podcast, Mike Lang, who talked to us about Mobby Sparkling, as well as Big Little Wines. And you can definitely go check out that episode. I've got it linked in the show notes down below. But Mike, how are you? Hey, great. Thanks, Cliff. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Yeah, so we are sitting here right now. It's the end of June. It's absolutely beautiful outside. We've got a killer view of all the beautiful vineyards that are around here. And Mike has agreed to talk to us today about some of the selections that they have, not only at Mobby, but as well as his own vineyard. Which would be Big Little Wines. Big
0: Little Wines, yeah. Uh, today's my anniversary as well. Uh, oh, so it's you're holding out on me. A beauty day is well. yeah, a beautiful day all around. So thanks for thanks for being here. We're on the we're on the porch at Big Little Wines, overlooking the vineyard, and uh, I think that we'll. Uh, We'll start with a big little wine, but a little bit about big little. So big little is big brother, little brother. My brother and I started this brand a little over 10 years ago, actually. And we wanted to put our mark on Lelanau Peninsula wines with unique styles, blends, maybe thought provoking wines that, that weren't already in the market. We grow on three separate properties. The brand as it stands so far has been hundred percent Lelanau Peninsula fruit.
1: Beautiful. Now, I do want to ask this question because I do follow your story on social media, but you've been out there kind of beating the band a little bit as far as getting some attention drawn to what you're doing here with Big Little Wines and going out of state and places like that. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about that?
0: Sure. Well, we started distributing in the Chicagoland area about a year ago. Wonderful. And we're sort of developing that. It takes time to get your name out there. I think what you might be referring to is, is a recent what I'll call a blitz of the market down in the Detroit area. Some of that has been led by our distributor, Eagle Eye Brands, and then some of that was our relationships that we had. But all, all together, working with our distributor and those people that we know in, in the trade, in the industry, doing events, wine dinners, tastings, and yeah, just just trying to slang bottles. I mean, that's the game, and that's the fun, and that's the hardest part, actually, It is selling your wine. I mean, the wine marketplace is so busy and so, yes, it is. so many brands that we have to get out there and talk to people and, and tell them what we're all about and pour our wines with them, a taste with them, and just start that conversation.
1: One of the things that I would like to talk to you about is, and this is something that has periodically popped up when I've spoken to people, is that there seems to be this perception when it comes to Michigan wines that it's not something that we're really taking like, too seriously. And so some of the comments that I have heard from other places and stuff, and it's popped up in other conversations, has been how does it compare to California or French or anything else like that? What do you say to those people that kind of almost turn their nose down to the wines that you guys are making?
0: Uh, I guess first I'd ask if they've tried the wines recently. I guess 30, 40 years ago, the trend was on sweeter style sweeter styles of wines. So maybe that's where the perception is rooted in folks' minds, but I would say that there's a huge movement towards developing the quality of our products, both in the vineyards and in the cellar. We absolutely take the winemaking seriously and we take the vineyard management seriously and we're trying to do the best we can. And so I would say that there's a little bit of a disconnect probably on price. Like people maybe expect a lower price point or people are looking to enter the wine, enter Michigan wines at a lower price point. Well, there's a couple barriers to price for us. And I'm not saying that our wines aren't deserving of the price. Let me just give you a couple little nuggets of background. I mean, it's very expensive to farm up north here because our yields are so low. So our Ah. crops, our crop load per acre is not it's it's about half of what it would be in in most parts of california right yeah if not less than half so there's that and then labor is a huge cost as we all know (laughs) in today's in today's world i guess if price is a barrier for people just shop and and shopping based on price that maybe gives some explanation as to why but for sure quality is definite you ask any brand up here and obviously they want to make the best wine they can so yes. it's not it's not the goal to just put a wine out into the market for the sake of putting a wine out into the market so we at mobby and to big little to a large degree believe that sparkling wine is the right the right style for this area there are several reasons for that we can get into that if you want but what would i say to those people try the wines revisit the wines try them with food they're great food wines the vibrancy of the acidity in our products is is unlike most wine regions that I've explored. We're a cold climate. We're on, the, we're on the boundaries of being able to grow grapes, vinifera for sure. So I challenge people to revisit and approach our wines with an open mind. You know, if you're looking for a big red style, you're not gonna find it here. That's not what we're about. On the red wine side of things, you're gonna look at medium bodied wines that have, again, a lot of acidity, and a lot of fruit and a lot of, I, I kind of refer to like a positive tension in a lot of Michigan wines. There's this balance between acidity and fruit. And yeah, this is this is what we do and this is what we love to do. And I guess I would just challenge those folks to revisit the products. So.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I know from my perspective here, when I hear comments like that, and I think that because the region is different, the soil is different, the climate is different, almost to sit there and say, well, let's compare Michigan wines to California wines. That's almost not fair, really, at the end of the day. Because California wines aren't like French wines. French wines aren't like Italian wines. And Italian wines aren't like Argentinian wines. So it's almost, you you have to appreciate it in the context of where it came from. And yeah, it doesn't taste like a California wine, because it's from Michigan.
0: Right. Right? It's
1: not like you're growing it in California and then bringing the grapes to Michigan. It's, you know, it's what it is here.
0: Right. I guess... To just elaborate on that a little bit, I think it's more fair to compare our wines to places like the Niagara Peninsula, to the Finger Lakes region, to Alsace, to Champagne. Really? To uh, yeah, to even to even to I would say Southern New Zealand. And so yeah, th- those are a few more, a few better reference points than California. The climate is just so vastly different, and that impacts what grape varieties we grow, h- how we farm,
1: and how we make wine. Beautiful, I did not know that, but that's absolutely awesome. So, what, uh, what are we trying today? So we'll try two wines, uh, one on the
0: Big Little side and one on the mauve side. The Big Little wine is a white Pinot Noir called Treehouse. All of the names of the Big Little wines are referencing childhood memories that my brother and I share. Nice. So we have wines like Treehouse, which we're gonna try here, Dune Climb, Driftwood, Tire Swing, Lightning Bug, etc. So these are all these are all memories that that we share, but hopefully that that others can reflect on as well. So that's our that's our uh, that's our branding for the big little for the big little wines. And on the mauby side what we're gonna try is a freestyle. So freestyle this particular freestyle is a rose uh, Freestyles are winemakers' playground here. So this is tank fermented. So we have a sand painting on the bottle fermented side that is also kind of one off here and gone. And on the tank fermented side, we produce a wine called Freestyle, and this is made exclusively of hybrid grape varieties: Lacrescent, Crescent, de Blanc, which you may have never heard of, you know, and get into that one, and then Marquette. So you've probably heard of the first and third, maybe not the second, and we can talk about those varieties when we try the product. So that's a, an off-dry. It says semi-sweet. It doesn't drink that way. It drinks off-dry. Okay. Um, we could start with Treehouse if you would like. Let's do that.
1: So the first thing I think of when I see this particular wine here is usually Pinot Noirs are red. You opted to go for white. Why Why did you choose that?
0: Well, um, we chose this style because a wine that we had that kind of wowed us. My brother and I had a wine from Anime Vineyards in Oregon called Pris- Prisme, I think. It's P R. I'm not sure how they pronounce it, but uh, anyway, it's a white Pinot Noir. And we really feel like we can hit this style home every year. And I'm really just not convinced yet that we can produce quality red Pinot Noir every year in northern Michigan. Ah. We just sometimes don't have the heat that we need. But we do have the heat that we need to ripen... Pinot Noir for a white table wine and we whole cluster press the fruit similar to the way we hope that we press for bubbly so we pick the whole cluster off the vine put it in a press press it there's not a lot of color in Pinot Noir it's pink when we press it but the color is not very stable because there's not a lot of tannin in gotcha. Pinot Noir so tannin holds on to, it binds with color and holds the color in solution not really the case here the color falls out throughout the fermentation and aging process so we end up with
1: maybe a slightly white wine. Wonderful, and I will say from personal experience, I've learned that the tannins, now that I know what I can taste for on my palate, isn't really my cup of tea if it's overpowering to the point where it completely dries my mouth out.
0: Yeah, so here we've got 2021 Treehouse, and 2021 across the board in Leelanau and Old Mission Peninsulas was a lower acid year. So this is a softer wine than we've made in the past a pretty big style. I would compare it to maybe like an oaked Chardonnay. It doesn't have all of that oak f- aroma and flavor, but it is fermented and aged in oak. Neutral oak barrels, they're older barrels that don't have a lot of flavor to give, but still provide a roundness and a softness to the wine as it ages. Beautiful.
1: I love how light this is.
0: Yeah, there's still some nice red. You can get hints of kind of some red fruits on the finish, mm-hmm. um, which is what we're going for here for sure. You know, uh, other if your if your listeners are interested in other white Pinot Noirs, I've seen them mostly from from Germany. And from Oregon. If you're looking to explore that style in any depth, ask your local wine shop. And uh, if they don't have something on the shelf, they can most likely order something for you to explore this style in a little more detail.
1: Certainly. Now, somebody who's, who's approaching this wine here, this white Pinot Noir, and if they're not too familiar with wines, what are some of the things that they should be thinking about when they're trying this? As far as food or just what are some thoughts that might be running through their head so let's try that let's talk about some of the things they should be thinking about when they're tasting it and then some of the maybe some of the food pairings that would go good with it okay yeah not
0: heavy-bodied it's I think it's medium-bodied we do a lot of Lee's contact here so with Lee's contact we're trying to build texture and mid-palate in the wine so this is a really rich and savory wine I think Uh, in my opinion, and then we've got this underlying tone of Pinot fruit, so it's red fruit, so you almost get subtle red fruit flavors underneath uh, and towards the finish, so I I would approach this like a Chardonnay, frankly, maybe an un-oaked Chardonnay, maybe an oak Chardonnay, somewhere in that vein, so I would think about creamy pastas mushrooms i would think about seafood scallops lobster fattier fish i don't know it could maybe hold up to like a pork loin Ooh. Uh, but i'm thinking more i'm thinking more in that lighter like the cre- creamy pasta any i mean this is really good with mushroom dishes whether that's pasta pizza or anywhere in between so i don't know those are some thoughts i have on what people should be thinking about this wine
1: uh, from a both of food and just a kind of general mindset and the one thing that i really appreciated about it is the fact that when you do taste it it is rather light it's not something that lingers indefinitely or hangs on to the back of your tongue or something i do get a taste back there but for the most part it feels rather light yeah and as far as
0: michigan whites go i personally think this has a bit more depth there's more weight here so there's partial malolactic fermentation. There's softer acidities there. But then in general, 2021 was, was a, a lower acid
1: vintage on the whole. And definitely I could see with this being as light as it is with just a touch of fruit, that this would go really well, like you were mentioning before, with like seafood or fish. Because typically that had the taste... On those, isn't like in your face. Right. It's on more like subtle. So, you would like to have a nice, subtle wine to go with it. Yeah. You right. don't want it something that's going to completely overpower your mouth. And then, when you put a piece of fish in there or scallop or whatever, then you don't even taste it. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. You know, I think one thing I'd just point out again that I believe I mentioned in the past in this conversation is Michigan wines have higher acidity. This is a lower acidity vintage, but this acidity is still present. Light, crisp. And that really pairs well with a lot of foods. I mean, rich foods, roast roasted foods, grilled foods, but foods with a little bit of fat, rich cheeses, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, oh. the acidity
1: is pretty. The acidity is pretty cleansing and, and food friendly. So I want to circle back here while we're on the topic of Pinots, and then we'll bump, we'll definitely jump over to the bubbly. For Pinots here, you were talking about how you feel at this point that producing a red Pinot Noir isn't something you could feasibly do because a number of conditions. Where, how do you experiment or how do you try that to know it for sure? Do you make a small batch of red Pinot Noir and just let it set for however long and then go back in and then try it and then judge then if it's ready to start producing? Or is it just, uh, how does that process work?
0: I'd say it's more a function of the growing season. If you can make a quality red Pinot Noir, so, for example, last year would have been a great year for red Pinot Noir in northern Michigan because, like I said, we had we had good heat, we had lower acidities, and, and that makes for a quality red wine. Experience tells me that's not possible every year.
1: Right. Experience
0: okay. tells me that not every year are we going to be blessed with that type of a vintage where we can ripen the fruit so that it produces a quality red wine. I believe that sparkling wines and a white Pinot Noir are more easily repeatable styles. And so that's where we honed in gotcha. on the on the white Pinot Noir. I'm not saying that red Pinot Noir isn't good in Michigan ever. I'm saying that the vintages are fewer and far between for us to want to commit to that style.
1: Certainly. Yep. Okay. And I could get that. And another thing you were talking about before with experience, you've spent I don't know how many summers In Michigan. So you kind of get a feel for what it's like over the long term. Because like you said, it's something that if you're going to start producing it, you want to make sure that you're able to produce it consistently at the quality that you were talking about before. Yeah, and the
0: price point. So if you're going to make a red Pinot Noir, you got to commit around this time of year, which is late June. You have to commit to that because you're going to to have to drop some fruit. You're going to have to drop fruit in the vineyard so that what's left will get as ripe as you want it to make red wine. Well, we don't really necessarily have to do that for sparkling and for white Pinot Noir. Gotcha. Right? Those are some critical points there. And if you're doing that, if you're going to go through and thin the vineyard to create the best Pinot Noir that you possibly can on the red wine style of things, it's going to have to be more expensive because you're not going to have as much fruit per acre. So, are customers willing to pay that? Well, maybe, because Pinot Noir is sort of sexy and hot, but is it the right style for the region? Uh eh, I don't know. Some years, yes. Most years, probably not.
1: Certainly, certainly. And I did not know that before. So, you have to actually go through, you're more or less culling the grapes, so the ones that are remaining will get as ripe as they possibly can.
0: Right, yeah. So, it's just thinning the crop. It's done, you know, all over the world with all sorts of fruits and vegetables, but... Yeah, the main premise is that you want to do that as early as possible so that the vine puts its energy throughout the growing season into the fruit that's remaining so it can ripen those clusters Gotcha. and not more clusters than it would want to for the style that you're making. So, yeah, it's all about the style. You have to commit to that style uh, when you plant the vineyard, when you pick your site, but also throughout the growing season. Learn something new every day. It's a labor of, of love, but it's also hard work. A lot of time and energy goes into vineyard care. And so, yeah, we saw our vineyard manager walk by earlier. Her name's Megan Budge. She went to Michigan State. She's outstanding.
1: Nice, nice. So let's move on to the bubbly. We've got this Freestyle Semi-Sweet Rosé, which you're saying is a little bit more on the dry side, but let's go ahead and... Uh, yeah,
0: I would, I would say semi-dry. Semi-dry. Mislabeled, but... So I don't know if your listeners know about how bubbly is made, but all sparkling wine goes through two fermentations. This is not a carbonated product, nor is any bottled product that Mauby makes. They're not carbonated. They're, right. It's a natural bubble from a second fermentation. And the two methods we use are tank fermented or cuve clothes or Charmat. Those are all words to describe that same tank fermented process or bottle fermented, which is the traditional champagne method. Um, Sparkling wine is is a little bit more labor-intensive than table wine because of the nature of the two fermentations. In the case of traditional method bubbly, there's a lot of hand labor. There's a lot of touching of those bottles as, as they're maturing and being riddled and disgorged and prepared for sale.
1: Uh, I think the term for that is turning the bottle? That, yeah, riddling,
0: it? turning, yeah. There it is, okay. Yep, riddling. So anyway, I just wanted people to know that Sparkling wine is a little more involved than, it's not carbonated wine. It's, it's, it's a second fermentation. So this is a tank fermented bubbly. And inherently in that style, you don't have a lot of yeast contact. You don't have a aging. So we're, we're looking for a more fruit forward drink now style. Gotcha. So we're going to have way more fruit here. It's very light pink. Again, Marquette, La Crescent, and Lockety Blanc.
1: We're going to have to talk about Lockety Blanc. I just like saying that, lockety Yeah,
0: <laughs> We shall. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's probably drier than maybe where you thought it would be based on the label. still a, a lot of nice fruit here. I mean, there's light red berry aromas and flavors, I would say.
1: Well, the thing is, when it comes to rosé bubblies, which, by the way, are my favorite because I consider them to be a little bit more rare. But this is the kind of thing that, you know, either, either on like a really nice spring day or even on a summer day, you know, I just like to be able to just to crack one open and just sit in the yard and enjoy it. And this right here would be something that would be definitely worthwhile to enjoy, probably with a friend or three. Right, but it's just it's just really it's really nice, and it is it's light. There's a little bit of fruit there, like you said. It's not very dry, so my mouth doesn't feel like a dried out sponge mm-hmm. when I get done drinking it. So yeah, this is uh, this is beautiful. I even like to crack one open when it's raining because then it reminds me of the sunny days, right? <laughs> so yeah,
0: so La Crescent is
1: leading the charge
0: here as far as the aromas it, it, when it's fermenting it's almost reminiscent of like walking through an orange grove when they're blooming orange blossom mm. um and then marquette is a red hybrid variety developed uh, developed at the university of minnesota la crescent is as well i believe but marquette is a red variety that we whole cluster press and make into a rose and then blend back into different wines this being one of them Excuse me. And then Lockety Blanc is also a hybrid variety, but I do not know what it's a cross between, but it's mostly grown in Nova Scotia and Quebec, so it's super cold-hardy. So it's a white variety. The only red variety here is the Marquette.
1: Man, I'm really liking this. What would you pair
0: with I think uh, just a, re- a really nice charcuterie board, whether you want as elaborate or as, as simple as you'd make that, a soft cheese, like a, a double or triple cream brie. What else? Uh, maybe this could hold up to grilled salmon salad, or smoked smoked fish salad, niçoise salad, perhaps, something like that. Certainly. I think those would all be first thoughts
1: of mine for, for this wine. Excellent. Now, because I want to make sure that you know, we're covering the gamut here, because I, I know there's some, there's some preconceived notions about bubbly and, and what it serves, and I know there's a lot of people out there that thinks that bubbly is just something they should have before the meal. Yeah. Do you agree with that, or do you agree nah. that it can be with the meal? For or? sure, for
0: sure. It can be even for dessert. Back to, this, that back to this kind of acidity pairing with, with rich, fattier foods. I think that when you start exploring that, even on the appetizer, cheese board scale, you can get a feel for what I'm talking about, pairing bubbly with food. And then you can elaborate on it from there. So, I mean, you could take those rich pates or pork bellies and think about pairing those with bubbly, and it's not a bad idea. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised.
1: Okay, beautiful. Now, the question I got for you is you know, because I know that you guys are working all the time and thinking about different types of wines that you can produce to serve anything that you're working on right now that you're a little excited about or is that all top secret can't share
0: no it's not top secret so we just released downstairs an aperitif and that aperitif was developed to pair with our bubbly but also to be enjoyed with sparkling water and that's a domain lilanaw product it's called yarrow we just released that a couple weeks ago that's pretty cool and so we're i'm just trying to gauge the consumer reaction to that product and see if if there's another style of aperitif that we might consider making we're looking at at Riesling a little more seriously for bottle fermented. We had a Sand Painting 10 that we released this this spring in the wine club shipment, and we've received a lot of great feedback from that wine. That's 80% Riesling, 20% Pinot Gris, making the case for a bottle fermented sect S-E-K-T, kind of a German style bubbly since they grow a lot of Riesling in Germany. Yes, they do. So that's pretty cool because there's a lot of Riesling up here, so we have access to a good amount of Riesling for bottle fermented. I think that has some legs. What else? Uh, at Big Little, we're really hot on Gamay and uh, we planted, yes. a l- planted more this year for a variety of, of reasons. We think that we can make a quality Gamay every year, but right, uh, like I mentioned before, right, right around now, we're, we're gonna thin the crop. So we are gonna drop fruit so that we have a specific yield per acre on that vineyard to shoot for the style of wine we wanna make. And we're shooting for a red wine style on that vineyard. Mm. Uh, but I do think Gamay has potential in rosé table wine as well as bubbly. So I like that. I like versatility and a grape variety. I would say Pinot Blanc is another one that's very versatile as a blender for sparkling as a single varietal sparkling it's tank fermented or bottle fermented or, or as a table wine. So I like varieties that are versatile, that crop well, that grow well in our region. Gamay, Pinot Blanc, Chardonnay. I guess those are styles, varieties that I'm kind of hot on now.
1: Beautiful. And also, too, because I'm following your story on Facebook, it looks like there was a partnership between you and the Cherry Republic. Yeah. Which is interesting. Talk to us about that.
0: So. My brother's been a board member on the Great Lakes Business Network, which is a collection of businesses just designed to promote the health and well-being of the Great Lakes. And that's all Great Lakes states, by the way, not just in Michigan. So there's membership throughout the seven or eight state Great Lakes region. But yeah, we we joined forces with Cherry Republic, great folks over there, and created a 60% cherry wine, 40% grape wine bubbly and it's called Sustain, and a large portion of the proceeds are going to help support the Great Lakes Business Network. So that's on sale now at both Cherry Republic locations locally, that's Glen Arbor and Traverse City, as well as the Maubi Tasting Room here in Sutton's Bay, south of Sutton's Bay. So come and get that, try it, and we hope you enjoy that. And uh, looks like we have the, maybe the, the
1: air show prepping here. Could be. For, uh, for TC, 4th of July weekend. Sounds like freedom. <laughs> why don't you talk to us a little bit about so and I know we don't have a sample here. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about, if if somebody wanted to you know get a bottle of Sustain. What could they expect with it? Is it sweeter? Is it drier? Is it cuz you mentioned before it's bubbly, so what right. what could people expect?
0: Yeah, so it's very cherry driven. 60% cherry wine. It's sort of I would say just supported by that 40% of grape wine in the sense of you don't taste a lot of the grape component, but but it's there for texture and, and a little bit more softness. The cherry flavor is is super present, but it's not it's not sweet. It's I would say it's off dry, maybe on the sweet end of the dry scale, maybe like 12 grams per liter of sugar, which okay. is 1.2 percent residual sugar, which is not very sweet. With that wine, cherry pie, I would serve that with. With dessert, it would be good. Drizzled, like almost like a bubbly float could be kind of fun with oh, ice wow. cream. Just taking a different turn on this one. Just a different outlook as far as pairings go. Um, have fun with that. Have fun with that one.
1: Maybe like with a vanilla ice Because you said yeah, vanilla, be vanilla ice cream, yeah. maybe a, a, a cherry ice cream. Maybe cherry.
0: Or I guess you could probably take that. You know, it might be fun to marinate some pork in that or maybe use it cuz pork cuz pork i would think is does really well complementing like sweeter flavors fruits yep yeah fruits yes. so it might be nice with bacon wrapped dates for example that <gasps> that could be pretty slick
1: yeah it could now i'm getting hungry <laughs> so I can say this with a clear conscience. I have been a happy member of the Bubble Fizz Club ever since I found out about it. Uh, I've gotten every six months, get a great shipment from you. Sometimes I tweak it. Thank you for that. Yes. And so with that being said, why don't you talk to us a little bit more about some of the packages? Because I know it's not just Maui because sometimes there's big little wines that are included in that. So talk to us a little bit more about that and what people can expect.
0: So the Maui Wine Club actually will always be six bubblies from mobby that we present for the selection but then you can customize so we don't we don't choose I, we've never chosen as far as i know a big little wine to, as one of the six in the standard order okay but you can swap it out if you know that you don't like sweeter wines and we suggest a bubbly that's sweet you can swap it out you can swap out that wine for a big little wine or another mobby wine that you know you like and those shipments are twice a year so we charge your card on file in late april And in late September, the wine arrives at your door two or three weeks later. We're sharing new things, exciting things, things that we don't always share with the general public with the wine club first, the wine club sees those first. They see also access to events on property and off as well as perks in the tasting room, as far as discounts go bottle service is available only to wine club members, for example, that's a recent development in the tasting room here. So like I said.
1: Benefits on property and off,
0: but uh, the best benefit I think is receiving cool, unique, bubbly twice a year at your door.
1: Yes, wonderful. And I can say that uh, there was the shipment that I got, I want to say that was at the latter part of last year, or maybe, yeah, it was the latter part of last year. I remember because I broke it open on New Year's Eve, but you actually had a bubbly, and I can't remember the name, I think it was called Red. Yeah. That a bubbly that was fermented in bourbon.
0: Yeah, Cask. yeah, yeah. So we That was took, interesting. <laughs> <for whatever. laughs> we took our red bubbly. It's R-E-D-D is what we call it, red. As far as I know, I think that's a, a nickname that Larry Mob had or still has for his wife. So, red. Oh, there we go. And, um, and we aged that wine in bourbon barrels for, we age it for quite a while, 14 months. And then we referment and bottle. So, yeah, oh, wow. bourbon barrel aged red. There, there was a, a regular red and several other fall, fall-like fall bubblies. Wonderful.
1: That's awesome. And so for our audience that wants to connect with you, follow with you see what you're what you're doing online. I've seen some of the videos that you guys made on YouTube and you're posting them online too talking about I think it was a spritzer? I think you were chatting about. Yeah, it.
0: I was probably talking about ERO, this new aperitif. That's right. It has a, a spritzer, yeah. Yes. So mobby.wine is the place for all things mobby and biglittlewines.com for big little. Our tasting is about 5 miles 5 miles south of Sutton's Bay maybe 10 miles north of Traverse City, maybe not even that far, right between the two on the beautiful Leelanau Peninsula, showing
1: itself well today. Oh my God, it's just gorgeous outside. For our audience, we will definitely make sure to have the links to all the goodness that we talked to down below. Mike, it's been a real treat having you back on the podcast today and uh, soaking up this weather and, and getting all your knowledge. So thank you for well, making for, time for us.
0: Thanks for having me and um, thanks to all your listeners.
1: Hey everyone, before you go, I want to invite you to the Call of Leadership community. Here you can get access to some really great behind-the-scenes goodness like upcoming guests, interviews, but you can also get thoughts from these interviews as well as actionable tips that you just will not find anywhere else. Plus, you can stay current with what's going on not only with this community, but with this awesome show because there's some good stuff that's coming. Join us by going to callofleadership.com email. Once again, that's callofleadership.com email, and I'll catch you in the next episode.